Welcome to the All Hallow School podcast, the place where we talk to staff, to parents and to pupils to find out more about life at the school. We're at the start of a new academic year, so in this episode you'll find me talking to the headmaster, Dr Trevor Richards. We're going to find out what we should expect over the next 12 months, what things might change, what things might stay the same, how the collaboration is going with Bath School, Moncton Prep and Senior, and what Trevor's vision is for way into the future. But importantly, we also get to find out what Trevor did over the summer holidays. Did he stay in his office for the whole summer break or did he manage to get some time away to recharge the batteries for this academic year? Come with me now as we find out and speak to the headmaster, Dr. Trevor Richards. Trevor, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? Very good. Good afternoon to you. Um, I'm just uh, in school today. It's a lovely sunny day in, in rural Somerset in prepping for the start of the new school year and particularly we've got four days of inset and induction ahead next week where all the teachers will be back in school preparing classrooms but also undertaking some training and some professional development and we're welcoming on board our eight or nine new staff next week as well. Oh, exciting times. So I'm sure they're, they're, they're looking forward to that as well. No, it's really good. It's nice to have some turnover of staff. We Staff stay at All Hallows for about seven years on average, but you also want uh, new people in the school with new ideas and some new energy as well from time to time. So yeah, it's always an exciting time of year, both, both looking ahead in terms of school development, but also welcoming the children back and seeing them grow and develop over the year and how much they've grown over the summer. You can't believe how um, much some of them have, have, have grown over that period of seven or eight weeks over the summer. Yeah, it's funny how that works out. But like you say, we are recording this during summer holidays. So first of all, I appreciate you giving up the time. We're towards the end of the summer holidays, which probably means, I mean, you, you, you've hinted already at some of the staff coming in for some training. Uh, yeah. and, and of course, you know, the staff do work longer terms than just the end of term. So it's always good to hear a little bit about what they're, what they're up to. But tell me a bit about what you've been up to during summer holidays. I mean, what does the head of a prep school get up to during summertime? Well, first of all, I spent, I spent about two and a half weeks in Turkey in a place we go back to fairly regularly. We've been back about nine out of the past 15 years at the end of the summer term, back to a, a family of hotels that we stay in that are run by a particular Turkish family that we got to know years ago. Um, so it's very much like almost going to see friends and relatives. We obviously haven't been for three years because of COVID, so it was really lovely to go back. But it's uh, they're, they're relatively small hotels, but it means we can, my wife and I can literally drop our bags and, and relax, which was really lovely. And for the first time in five years, I switched off my phone, I switched off social media, put the phone in the safe, gave the school an emergency number at, at the hotel, and I didn't pick up my phone for two weeks. And I, I really haven't done that for the last five years or so. So that was a bit of a revelation, actually, to just spend time relaxing and mulling things over and not looking at a phone all the time. So that, that was really good and really healthy, really something really good for, for my well-being as much as anything else. Trevor, tell me a little bit more about that, because I imagine that some of the people listening to this recording right now might think to themselves, oh, that sounds really attractive. But then naturally you start mm. thinking about all of those things that you can't do, which might not necessarily be unhealthy things. But of course, there are certain mm. things that we use our phones for that, that are that are perfectly innocent and, and OK. How did you find managing those things? And tell us as well a little bit more about the positive benefits of not having your phone anchored to yourself. I think having having you know, an emergency contact there. We, we had a, a, a leadership 
team rotor over the summer. So there was always somebody for people to contact. And you do get, you know, that, I don't know what they sometimes call it, the tyranny of emails, but you get twitchy for the first three or four days of that period because there's there's a there's a bit of guilt there's a bit of wondering if everything's okay um there's that that urge to whether it's social media or emails or or we've got a whatsapp group at work for example to to check in with those sorts of things but it's not emotionally healthy to live at that level of alertness the entire time and certainly you know we talk to the children about it all the time and very often we don't live it Hmm. Um, so it was something I was quite determined to do this year um, and post, particularly post-COVID when lots of teachers and, and head teachers and senior leadership teams haven't had a break um, and have worked right the way through their holidays uh, for a period of time. It was something that I promised myself I would do as soon as that was finished. So it was great. It was really good. And it's it sort of resets what your norm should be in terms of that sort of thing, that actually it... It recalibrates your your relationship with that technology, which is brings a whole range of benefits to it. But it should be something that we're using as a tool rather than something that we're almost feeling that we need to check in on, you know, every thirty seconds or so. Which is certainly how I become. Um, and I've taken my emails off my phone now, so I have to boot up a laptop to look at those sorts of things. And you're in, you're contactable, but it's not part of your conscious every time that dings now. And and you know that's certainly a better place for me to be. It will make me more effective at what I should be thinking about. Trevor, just before we get into the heart of this episode, tell us a little bit about for people who don't know. Tell us a bit about what your family makeup looks like. I mean, how many of you are there, and what's it like being on holiday all together without your phone? It's <laughs> it's it's just me and my wife. Uh, we we don't have any children, but we we've traditionally gone on holiday with either uh, broader family members for part of that holiday in Turkey or really close friends and I'm really fortunate to have a relatively small but amazing group of friends that um, I love spending time with but I know and, and, and again critical for your well-being that whatever happens you can pick up the phone and somebody will be there to support you. And so it was lovely to spend time with them, actually, particularly again post-COVID and spend a week of that two and a half weeks with other people and just catch up in a a way that you're not looking at your phone every 10 minutes or thinking, I've got to do this or I've got to do that. You can just focus on being together. And that, that again, was a really lovely seven days or so to do that and and just reconnect with them, you know, because, again, I think lots of us um, haven't had that over the past few years and we're really enjoying getting back into that now i think you really appreciate what that brings to you as a human being as much as anything else i think no that's really good to hear okay let's jump back into school life then here we are right at the start of the academic year 2022-23 uh what can we expect to see over the next well i was going to say 12 months of course it's not 12 months for a full academic year but between the start of september and the end of june slash start of july what can we expect to see at all hallows i think there's, there's there's always evolving practice within school the world moves increasingly quickly and I think if we're to prepare children to to thrive in it we've got to continue to evolve. I think what's critical for me is that in that process that you hold on to your core principles and values and ethos and an atmosphere and you're not blown around by the latest educational buzzword or government initiative or 
trend in education that you have a really good solid base about how you see education and what you want it to be and that's certainly where we are and I think certainly as a as a community but in terms of our teachers and our parents in particular they I think increasingly understand what All Hallows is about and 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 how we go about that process about developing young people when when you talk about development in the year ahead there's always the the uh, tendency to focus on physical development so we would be thinking about we've we've just uh, refurbished a year seven and eight common room for example which our year seven and eights haven't had before so that will be a dedicated space for them and is part of that moving towards a senior school world part of that leadership and responsibility that we're trying to foster and cultivate within them so that's coming online in September we've started fundraising for a new astroturf which will take place in the next 12 months or so our astroturf is well it's certainly over 10 years old and it's just coming to the end of its useful lifespan so that's that's a major development as well and critically we've spent a lot of time and money and resources putting in place a really good backbone for ICT in the school now uh, in terms of Wi-Fi networks and we actually had to um, have our own uh, internet cable dug into the school from the nearest large settlement uh, to get the Wi-Fi speeds up. Um, so we were thinking really carefully over the next 12 months to two years about how we best use IT to enhance children's learning uh, and what's the best way to do that. Is it individual laptops, Chromebooks, whatever it is for, for pupils on a one-to-one basis? Or is it a broader thing than that? And again, you only want to bring it online to, to prepare children for what next, which we certainly want to do, but also if it enhanced learning. It's not about just doing learning in a different way. Uh, and I think that you've got to be really careful uh, when you take that step that you're not just handing out IT and saying, right, we're going to type instead of handwrite now. That's, that's not a big step forward. Um, it's got to be doing things better. Outside of those physical developments, I think there's some really exciting things going on in the curriculum, uh, whether we talk about intellectual character development, but we're spending uh, a day next week with uh, some consultants that I've worked with before, thinking about how we further ingrain experiential learning in our provision for the young people in the school. We often think of learning as something that takes place in a classroom and involves pens and paper or laptops or IT or, or whatever that is. But actually, there's some really valuable learning that takes place through doing perhaps more generalised tasks, the sort of things that you would find, and you might know as well as I do, the things like corporate training days and team building days and all those sorts of things, and the reflective process that, that comes after that. Research would tell us that actually young people retain far much of that, much more of that learning than they do in a, in a sort of classroom environment. It's part of school life already. It certainly takes place in, in our forest school. It takes place from time to time in our classrooms and all of the learning spaces in the school. But it's, it's really about taking young people outside their comfort zone and thinking about different ways of learning and giving them experience to learn um, with a specific learning objective, but in a, in a way that actually builds their, their whole abilities and skills and characteristics as a learner, rather than focuses on perhaps a set of subject-specific skills. Um, and we're also hoping that it will 
also foster uh, some more coaching skills in our staff as well. And that's one of the things we're looking at next week. Over the past few years, and this came from some reflections at COVID, slowly introduced more and more coaching and mentoring, particularly for our older pupils in small groups of one-to-one sessions outside of the normal sort of form tutor system. And one of the things we wanted to do was take some of the learning from those sessions and the questioning and the reflective practice and put that back into the mainstream curriculum rather than just make it something we talked about with young people outside of that. So that's a piece of work we're doing next week. And we're aiming to produce a sort of suite of almost pick up and play activities that we can do that staff can pick up with minimal planning that there's kit bags for all of those sorts of things that they can use as part of their regular learning they can use it when it's pouring down or it's snowed on a game session that they can look for opportunities as form tutors to use them that just really gets us going in terms of really making the most of that way of learning as well as a more structured form that you traditionally find in in all schools around the country so that'll be a, a major piece of work over the next 12 months. And we're going to do that first step first and then evaluate how it goes and then see where we go next as to whether it's something that we, we do put into heads of department or that it's best left as a sort of overarching uh, programme that we do within the school. But it should be good fun. It'll be good fun next week seeing the teachers doing it. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. And of course, the idea of teachers being coached is something I, I imagine that the pupils don't often imagine. You know, it, it's, it's the, you know, I imagine that the pupils don't often see that side of teaching life where they're getting their own coaching, they're getting their own learning as well. Whereas, you know, I imagine that young children often don't see that sort of thing. Trevor, I'm going to ask you a couple of things uh, about a couple of things that you talked about. Just to go back to the physical developments that you talked about at school. How do you go around or how do you go about deciding which the next project is that should be started? Because I imagine that within a school that there's always lots of things that that you and the bursar would like to do within the school, that all the, the SLT, the senior leadership team would, would like to do within the school. But of course, you know, there's a, an end to the budget. So so how do you go about choosing which which project comes next? I think we run a three to five year sort of self-evaluation program. We've got a long term a strategic document uh, that looks at the school over a five or ten year period. Um, But if the last few years has taught us anything, it's that we should be potentially focusing on a bit of a shorter period than that and not trying to forecast in 10 years time. There's things that have to be done. There's maintenance tasks that have to be done. And you're managing the resources to make sure that the school is safe and that we can deliver exactly what we want to deliver. And it's a brilliant campus to come and learn and work in. And then after that, you're you're doing a piece of self-evaluation that says, where do I want the school to go? And if that's what I want the school to look like in three years' time, what do I need to put in place? And you're absolutely right that, that if I handed that over to teachers, you know, a multi-million pound spend would, would not be enough for us to get where we want to go. And it's great that teachers are that ambitious and they want to build things and develop things. It's also about saying, though, that some of the most important developments in schools aren't tangible bricks and mortars thing, and they're not things that you can see. And sometimes they're not things that you can measure easily, that they are things like experiential learning or or an emphasis on character development or um, working on the children around feedback and assessment and getting them to take more ownership of that. It's quite difficult to measure as an outcome. But actually, in terms of 
of, of where you want the children to be at, at 13 when they, they move on to senior school, it probably has a bigger impact than the new AstroTurf might do. Um, and there's, things, there's certainly things like that that I think we have to do, but actually lots of schools are skewed that way. And as soon as you see the school development plan, it's, it's a very physical development document. And we've absolutely intentionally made it something that looks at the whole school life. We talk about educating the whole child and therefore we need to look at the whole school in, in, in that light. Good answer. Thank you for that. And thank you for explaining all of this. Now, I'd love to talk a little bit about the group of schools that's been formed with All Hallows and Bath School, Moncton Prep and Senior. Tell us a little bit about what it is for anyone unfamiliar with that, first of all, but also how it's all going as a group of schools. So we're a bit, we're about six months in to that. Um, it's very much more, I think, merges a bit of a, a a misleading term sometimes because it's really the charities in the background that have merged rather than the schools. Um, it's much more a partnership. It's much more about uh, forming a relationship between uh, the two Moncton schools at the moment and All Hallows. And it's about making sure that we're as efficient as possible. There's a huge pressure across the sector on uh, school fees in terms of making sure that we're as affordable as possible to a wider group of people as possible. And that's certainly part of where All Hallows wants to be placed. It, it doesn't want to be set aside from its local community. It wants to be something that, that's part of that. Um, so you need to be as efficient and lean as you can possibly be, particularly in your support functions, which don't necessarily have an impact on the day-to-day -day provision in school. You have to do them. But actually, the children and the parents and quite often the staff don't see the impact of those things and I think there's also a massive value in teachers and educators getting together and working across a group of schools in a non-competitive way there's the tendency particularly within a super competitive independent school sector to hang on for dear life for anything that is a real strength for you as a school and not share that good practice around because the last thing you want is your competitor schools picking that up. Um, and that can be a quite a lonely place for heads of department and heads and, and SLTs and having other people in your position that you can bounce ideas off, that you can undertake joint training with, that you, you, know, you can go off and do different pieces of research into different aspects of topic and come back and work in that together should be something that enhances the provision in all of those schools and that's very much the way that we're we're looking at that what was key for me in the entire process which is a real trend in the marketplace it's certainly uh, something that schools are getting together um, to, to make those savings and to boost provision in that way um, as the market tightens that that's happening across the sector but in some places, there's a tendency to, to come up with a sort of homogenised group of schools, which become an average of one another, if that makes sense. And one of the things I really loved when I started talking to uh, some of the key staff at Moncton is that they wanted for schools to retain their individual character, that they wanted that within the group, that they thought that would be a, you'd be a stronger group if you were a, a group of really strong, relatively independent schools that work together rather than try to be a cookie-cutter model of one another over a period of time. And that was key for me in terms of thinking about whether that was a good move for All Hallows or not. And so far, it's, it's, it's worked really well. I, I said at speech there, I keep sitting in integration meetings about, and, and very 
much at the moment it's focused on HR and marketing and compliance and you know regulations all of those sorts of things that all independent schools have to deal with but suck resources out of key staff in the school particularly the SLT and I keep looking around thinking this should be more difficult than this (laughs) at some stage you know this is going to be hard work and it really isn't because we're all pulling in the same direction we're all being very respectful of where our schools are and, and and the differences and similarities between them and i i think you know if we were to read our, our sort of mission statements they would be very similar but we go about it in a different way there's never been attention in any of those meetings and it's lovely to start seeing staff from the various schools just building that positive rapport and picking the phone up to one another when they've got a challenge or a problem or a question or they're looking for resources is already starting to have slowly and at the right pace for everybody. I don't think it's something you can force, but over the next couple of years, I would think that will grow into a really strong relationship. And I think we'll all be stronger because of that. And and that's got to be a good place to be. And a positive thing for the for the entire All Hallows community without putting under threat what we love about the school, which is which is not what's going on either. So it all sounds like a great arrangement between the three schools and sounds very promising for the next 12 months and 24 months that you've kind of hinted at. Let's just jump a little bit further forward in time. I'd, I'd love to understand a little bit more about how you see All Hallows being in sort of 10 years time. I'm thinking about the fact that it takes 10 years for a child in nursery to reach the top of the tree in year eight. Um, how do you see uh, All Hallows looking in 10 years time? Really tricky question to answer. I think the, the only certainty I, I can give you, and we, we've talked about physical developments and technology and all of those things will will move on. But I think schools like All Hallows are ever more important in the current educational landscape and preparing children for what next schools that put well-being and thriving and resilience at the heart of their decision making schools that don't just measure themselves in terms of scholarships and we have amazing scholarship results but actually it's part of the outcomes that we're that we're assessing ourselves and auditing ourselves against and much more important than that is that children are their well-being's being looked after and they're, they're gaining the skills and understanding to make sure that that's an ongoing process and that they're thriving and, and flourishing. And that's never at the expense of those other more measurable outcomes that often drive benchmarking across the sector at the moment. I, I said earlier that um, I don't think All Hallows has ever been so clear about what it is and how it goes about its model of education and what's important to it. And I think the only certainty I would want to put into something thinking about 10 years time is that that's absolutely retained, that that's not threatened in any sense, because it is the foundation not of only great learning for me, but also really uh, pupils that will thrive and flourish in later life, whatever, whatever that brings. And I think we don't know who would have thought five years ago we'd have been in a pandemic and be looking at 18% inflation this year. Nobody would have forecast that. So to sit here and say, that's what we want to look like in 10 years, I think I would love, again, there's certain key characteristics of the school. It can't be too big, otherwise we won't be able to abide by our model of education. 
but I would love to have gone through that strategic plan and, and done some of the physical developments and have a really vibrant creative curriculum that's continued to evolve over that 10-year period. What that looks like, I, I don't know. And I, I'm sort of quite glad that that's the case, really, because I think if I had that 10-year plan, particularly in terms of the curriculum and provision, I think it'd be out of date pretty quickly. And actually, it's something that you want to evolve. You don't want a revolution in, in that sort of thing, whilst you hold on to those key principles that you build the school around. Well, it all sounds very exciting for the next 10, 10 years. I'm encouraged by the fact that there, there was not a single educational buzzword in your answer there. So, so no. excellent, <laughs> given the fact that you mentioned that earlier. Trevor, we need to bring this to a close in a minute, because uh, apart from anything else, I'm taking up far too much of your summer holidays and you've still got a few days left to enjoy. So thank you very much for being here. Thanks for explaining to us how the next, well, 12 months, 24 months, even the next 120 months are going to be looking at All Hallows. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks, Simon. Good to see you. So that was Headmaster Dr Trevor Richards talking to us from school about what to expect in the next 12 months. Trevor, always a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you for giving up the time. Now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.